hello and welcome to Off the Record. We have moved our podcast release date to Wednesday instead of Tuesday. That will give us a little more time when we make a lot of mistakes to fix them and to then get them to you. And uh, Tuesday's release day anyway, so you should be listening to all the great dance and punk records, nothing in between, on Tuesdays. <laughs> Today is also election day. We hope you voted. By we, I mean did, did Jesse. You act, did you vote, Zach? By we, I mean Jesse and me, because my father's listening to this. <laughs> um, no, I did not vote this time. Um, I forgot with the absentee ballot stuff. Um, I voted in my first ever vote. The first ever time I was allowed, I could vote, rather, was for, I did the presidential election last time around. And I will, next time, I'll be hopefully not absentee anymore. So it's a little, I just... I'm a little bit, I'm not the best at that. Not that I don't care or anything. This the absentee thing um, made me forget. The two states you can vote in aren't very contentious this time. It's the same thing I have is that I, I could vote in New Jersey or I could vote in New York, even though I should be voting in New York. And I, neither of them yeah, are very My license is Jersey, so. Um, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't know anything. Jesse. As long as you have a bill, bill in a certain place, that's what matters. Gotcha. Yeah, so no, no for me this time. Um, I only I only really care about a few things. I'm a terrible American. <laughs> anyway, what did you do for Halloween? I went to a friend's party where he was DJing, and I dressed as a citizen of New Jersey, which I'm not anymore. And I wore um, <laughs> a picture of Governor Christie saying "Shut up," so I was carrying the weight of Governor Christie's stupidity, like every citizen of New Jersey does, mm, and some of his actual weight, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's a big, big boy. Yeah. How anyway, about you? Me? What did I do on Halloween? Oh, you know, I went to. Uh, my friend, my friend who was in the city this weekend, she went, uh, she visited some of her friends that got dinner, and I, I met up with her and her friends after, and we just had some wine at one of her friends' house. And I started talking with this random guy, and he's like, we just started talking about what we do, and he is a coder or something at uh, like Chase, I think, whatever. Um, a cha- some sort of bank. Chase sounds right. And he goes, oh wow, like punk bands, like like pop punk bands, like Blink One Eight Two and Boxcar Racer. And when he said Boxcar Racer, we literally just spoke for the remaining hour and a half that I was there, and that was it. I didn't speak with anyone else. So I met. Oh a, my I god, met, he said like the magical words to you. He did, like the true, like the truly magical words. He's like, oh, like Boxcar Racer, and I was like, yeah, man. Wow, tell me more about you. <laughs> I can be so nice when you mention. Obscure, blink, not obscure, but semi-obscure Blink-182 side project. It's kind of obscure at this point. Kind of, yeah. Only platinum, but yeah, kind of obscure, I guess. Um, anyway, Off the Record, great podcast. It's at offtherecord.fm. You can ask us questions there. You can ask us questions about what kind of candy we like since it's Halloween. I spent $14 on candy on Halloween, and I ate it by the time Halloween was over. That was sick. Wow, I, I I I don't think I've eaten Halloween candy in like a decade. I uh, I don't eat much candy anymore. When I was like in high school, at least once a week, I had a candy store down the block from me that is now closed, and it's heartbreaking. Um, and I would just you know like those places where you fill up your own bags, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would just go there and I'd spend like seven dollars each time, and that's a lot of fill up your own candy, like a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, especially for a kid. Yeah, it was a lot, and. Uh, I don't like have bad teeth now, but if I eat that much sour candy now, they just 
it like I get like war flashback pain to my teeth hurting from having so much sugar. So this is the first time I indulged myself in a long time. Oh, oh the, the thing is, all I do is eat sour candy, which is terrible for your teeth. So it was great, though. Ooh, and Dylan's yeah. candy bar is very expensive. Don't go there. But I'm a white New Yorker, so. Mm, man. In, in the show notes, we have a great interview with Jesse where he talks about how great I am. You should read that. <laughs> I need it's a little. Really, uh, ch- ch- Really challenging questions of that interview. I, I, I haven't had an interview in a long time where I've had to like sit and like take some time to think about how I answer the questions. I, mm. I don't usually ever get challenged by them. They're usually the same old things. I was really psyched on it. Yeah, you you thought very hard about how to make me smile and get an ego boost. It was great. Also, you have <laughs> you have a new podcast, which is why I put the interview in the link in the show notes at offtherecord.fm. The show notes. Tell us about it, Jesse. I do have I, I do have a new podcast where I'm interviewing people about creativity. Um, right now, there's only one interview up, which is um, with Tim Landers, formerly of Transit and presently of Off and On and Misser. Um, I'm going to be doing these biweekly. I have a bunch of really cool ones taped already. Uh, hope you listen to it, enjoy it. It should be on iTunes by the time this airs. I'm not going to totally bank on that, so if you... It's not there. You can go to jessecannontalkstu.com, and it'll give you a place to listen to it for now. Sadly, SoundCloud's been a real pain in my butt, and I'm really not psyched on that. Wow, did you notice that? I just avoided cursing on a really innocuous curse. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe I did that, especially after it's how much I'm about— It's because we're voting today, and you want to feel American, and Americans don't curse. Good Americans. I, I mean, I, I, I do have a lot of respect for the institution of voting. You know, I'm a, I'm a big political nerd, so— You know, what's funny is, is we're about did to get into Did you vote in March Sadness, the real election, every year? March no, Sadness? No, I don't vote in March Sadness. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've lost oh, my mind God. today. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, you definitely lost your mind if you thought I was going to. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that the anyway comes to this is now we're going to broach a subject where I'm going to curse a lot. Like, you know, five seconds of summer cursing probably. Sorry, Nana. <laughs> Taylor Swift. She's a singer. She, she's great. Uh, she wrote a real. She wrote the best emo album of 2012 called Red. Um, and now she just wrote a pop album that I don't really understand called 1989. I was not born yet. I know that. Um, and the other day, uh, the other day being yesterday, uh, Taylor Swift removed her whole entire catalog from Spotify. Um, some quick facts from Spotify on Taylor Swift just before we get into the discussion is that uh, 40 million people on Spotify have listened to Taylor Swift and 19 million within the last month have listened to Taylor Swift. Uh, that's a lot of people. Just, yeah. Just uh, just unbiased facts. Those are facts from Spotify, assuming they're not lying so, so, to us. So, so to put it even into perspective, what I always like to do to give people 20 million people means one out of every 16 people in America has listened to Taylor Swift just on Spotify in the last month. Which is just... An absurd, a really hard number to wrap your head around. Like, that is just a saturation in a really incredible way. Um, but anyway, so Jesse, what were your initial, my initial reaction, because I was running out to get uh, my ears remolded for earplugs, was, yeah, wow. Yeah, pricey, pricey, God. <laughs> um, 
my initial reaction was, oh, I thought this already happened. What was yours? <laughs> um, well, I knew that she wasn't going to put her album up on Spotify in the first week because this is what all of these abusive power artists do now. So Tom York who hates Spotify anyway, uh, Coldplay, the Black Keys, and she did this with Red, is they don't put their album up on Spotify the first week so they can get their sales up higher and, you know, make money. Now, sadly, this is the selfish thing, but this is the pattern with this selfish asshole Taylor Swift is that she always is doing what's best for Taylor, not what's best for music. I think one of the funnier things is, is everybody's, you know, there's some people who are celebrating this as like, look at this smart strategy. She's really doing some good stuff in for herself and like you know there's music business people who are like yeah yeah i wish i had the power to do that so her back catalog is still on rdo rhapsody and beats which is damning which of, is of, of those services yeah well so what i think is funny though is like you get like the people like leftists who i usually like you know when he talks i, I just want to die because he sucks at life so bad and like he made the point. He's like, Taylor's doing what she can to get attention right now. And she knows this is getting everybody talking about her and talking about that she has a new album. And he's exactly right in that um, she's done every move to get as much attention towards this record, which is smart strategy at the same time. It's at the cost of burning the whole world down so that she gets as far ahead as possible, which is why I want to start hashtag give Taylor Ebola because she wants to pretend also now that she's a real New Yorker. And right now we know Ebola is the big craze in New York. So I say, give Taylor Ebola, prove that she's a real New Yorker. Then we'll let her in after she has Ebola. Well, <laughs> <laughs> now we need insurance. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope our father or both of our fathers who get very paranoid about when we say things realize that this is comedy and I'm making a joke here and that's, you know, that's legal and you can't sue me for it. He says with his fingers crossed. <laughs> to me, this whole thing has nothing to do with Taylor Swift and has everything to do with Spotify. I, this whole situation, this is, I don't think there's anything, like, do we, is it selfish? Like, you know, the, the first week thing, I have no problems with that. Like, to me, if you want to boost your sales, go ahead, boost your sales. If I was Taylor Swift, I would have the single on Spotify and nothing else. Which is what she did on the last record, incidentally. Right, right. So to me, though, the, like, this is way less about what, um, what the largest major label artist in America is doing and much more about what Spotify and the other streaming services aren't. To me, like, and also in the show notes is a, is a great letter by Bill... Wordy? Wordy? I think yes. It was Wordy, yes. Uh, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Billboard. He's now doing something else for the company that owns Billboard. I'm not sure what. But he's still, he's great on Twitter. He has good ideas. And he wrote this letter on Tumblr um, that's an open letter to Spotify about Taylor Swift and why he's unsubscribing about the service. And to me, like, I mean, Jesse, you don't care about Taylor Swift anyway. You're never going to listen to that album unless you're drunk or making fun of it. And <laughs> well, I, I I listened to it so I was informed about what's going on. But right. yeah, I, I I I think she's the worst thing ever. She's wholesome, and I hate anything that's wholesome. And that's fine. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I hate that's on spot uh, that's not on Spotify, and a lot of stuff that I love that's not on Spotify. To me, that's not the issue. To me, it's like, why is all of it not on Spotify? And that I think is what Wordy gets into in this article, where he's like. 
hey, most most music subscribers only most music listeners in America only pay forty dollars a year on Spotify alone. He pays one hundred and twenty dollars a year, and the biggest album in probably the world this year, right? Like, is that that's probably mm. an accurate statement, right? Um, mm, I think so. Yeah, is not on Spotify, and probably will never be until Spotify does something different. And so this whole thing to me, I, I think it's kind of good timing as we talked about last week, that whole discussion about Bandcamp um, and about, mm-hmm. about how Bandcamp is hitting these like low-hanging fruit, po- low-bearing fruit points like years after their competitors did. But at the same time, um, I mean, look, obviously Taylor's just not putting her album on Bandcamp, but at the same time, like this is where Spotify should just be the king. Spotify should be the only streaming service with Taylor Swift music and RDO should not be able to touch it. Same thing with Google, same thing with Beats, or maybe not Beats because of Apple, but same thing with any streaming service that is not owned by Apple that is not Spotify. In my mind, should not have the Taylor Swift album. If Spotify is the king, Spotify should be throwing money at Taylor Swift and getting ahead with their major label artists that way. Don't you think there's... Fault like to me the issue with me is just Spotify like something is clearly not clicking still. Well, so here's the thing: if Spotify starts making deals with individual artists, it's going to be a landslide of them losing money and then losing smaller artists who go, I can't believe they're getting so much more. Which incidentally is already happening because major label artists get more of a share than uh, tune chorus, just as what happens with ASCAP and BMI. But that's something we can broach another time. I think that the more interesting thing is that they're saying, no, we're not going to give Taylor more favorable play. We're going to keep this rate flat. And what Spotify promised in their little letter to her, in addition to their little playlist that tried to woo her back, even though I think she's going to sing, we're never getting back together to them. Wow, that was terrible. You should be. I'm I'm great. I'm great. I have puns uh. of steel dog. Mm. <laughs> They're saying that when they get to 40 million U.S. subscribers That she would be making just as much money as she does at iTunes And I think that that's their promise And we have to wait till they get to that promise And they're going to get there with or without Taylor and Beyonce And Chris Martin's lame Coldplay awfulness So let them get there Let's see if we're telling the truth Because right now what we do see is a decline in piracy because of streaming services. So we have to hope that their promise is true. If it's not true, then we have to reevaluate things. But until then, I wish these people wouldn't be so selfish for their own gains to poison the well of the music business and the promise of us all getting back to a profitable model. And I kind of feel like they don't deserve to be a part of it uh, if it gets there and they really are telling the truth. Do you think, like, I don't. I wonder if like Taylor Swift as a human being actually cares, or if it's just the major label that actually cares, or her management. So there's an interesting interview with her where she goes on this whole thing like people should pay for music. It's thing, which is a wonderfully idealistic thing to say, but like most things Taylor Swift says, it's a bunch of vacuous bullshit. Like just like when she like won't say that she's a feminist and puts up a false definition of feminism when she plays dumb. She hangs out with Lena Dunham and Lord. She knows what feminism is. She's always just doing what's best for Taylor, not what's best for the greater good of anything. And I just think that this person's 
Jensen's a total fucking asshole. And she probably is someone involved in this. I'm sure that the management discusses with her and says, we're not going to put it on Spotify. And she could protest. At the end of the day, you were always the boss because you can fire your management. So I don't give her any leeway here. I think she's an asshole. I feel like you're focused a little, maybe, too much on Taylor Swift. Maybe, here. Because she's not the only one that's, like, is Beyonce an asshole? Yeah. And Tom York and the Black Keys and Chris Martin and his lame band of merry slow jam makers. I don't like Coldplay either. No one thinks Steve Jobs got wrong. Well, no, he also got wrong John Mayer, who Taylor Swift also got wrong by dating. It's another reason she sucks at life. Uh, There's just so much hatred here. Yeah, this is all the people I hate and all the people I think suck. Uh, I, I, I think these are bad people. This is, this is not punk, man. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, this is not about doing what's good for the greater community. And this is why I don't like being around people who didn't come up through punk rock. Is because is, they don't see the greater community. They don't see the community by giving shitty royalties to everyone. They're giving shitty royalties in the meantime because that's what they can do. And they're, keep in mind, Spotify still operates at a loss. So why is that Taylor so Swift's Spotify problem? Spotify gives shitty royalties. They give shitty royalties until they get the subscriptions up. Now, you can see that they're going through everything they can to get the subscriptions up. All these services have a free platform. They try to get people in. And what the hope is, and we have to trust that they're telling the truth, is that when they get to this golden 40 million mark, that they'll be paying just as much as iTunes. That when they get to this 100 million mark, that they'll be paying just as much as the heyday of the music business. That's what Spotify's little presentation said years ago. If that's the case... We have to trust them till they get there. If they don't fulfill on that, then we have to reassess and figure out a different answer. But, but why, like, I, to me, I don't feel like any of those artists that you just listed that are not on Spotify should have to be held accountable for Spotify not being at that number yet. It's not my fault that 40 million people don't listen to Spotify, listen, pay money to Spotify every month. Like, it's no, it's none of their faults. Clearly, I think that, like, don't you think if it was worth it for them, their music would be there? So this is my promise. They're not investing in the future. I mean, I would also not invest in my future if I was Coldplay, Tom York, or the Black Keys because they're over. Yes, they're- you would because you would make so much more money still. You'd make a million dollars a show. Well, no, 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 no. Trying to invest in Spotify, do it. Actually, it would be smart for them to do it. But the other thing about it is, too, is this encourages Piracy. The whole thing about Spotify that is the reason that we try to put our eggs in the streaming music basket. I don't want to just say Spotify because it's all the streaming music services is that it is easier than piracy. It's the same reason Netflix drives down movie piracy is that when people say, hey, it's way easier for me to just watch what's on Netflix than deal with a tour and deal with getting a letter from my cable company saying that I stole this. They do it now. It is not easier when it's not on Spotify because Spotify is basically just the Netflix of music. And so people are going to steal this record more. I bet you you see that this record is stolen more than equally. I mean, problem is we don't have equal equivalency, so we're not going to see this. But I bet you it has a very high torrent rate because it's not on Spotify or audio. And, things, and people are going to steal it. And then they're going to use that Spotify sync thing where you can load your iTunes in, which I think you could still do. I don't use Spotify. And then they're going to listen to it off that on the natively on their uh, phone. And to counter that, I bet 
because it's not on the streaming surface services that there will also be a higher number of people buying it, which will get them all more money. Yes. Which is why they want to be doing still sh- it. Still short term. And then also taking her back catalog that doesn't sell as well off the service means that she's not getting the, the other great thing about streaming. We have to always remember is that streaming monetizes your back catalog. If you buy something, you're able to listen to it forever and never pay again. Whereas if you're streaming it continuously, you're getting royalties off of something people already bought. Hey, man, it's still on RDO. It's still on RDO, but you know what? We know dust. we know Spotify is way more popular than RDO, and she's shooting herself in the foot. The, I, I think the back catalog thing is really the stupider part. The back catalog thing is a little confusing. A little, to I don't me. think it's confusing. It's stupid. I know you don't want to diss your girl. It's no, it's no, stupid. no. That I think is is definitely stupid. Like I just don't even like even if you didn't put Red on there, right? Even if you just I don't know how many albums there are before Red. Let's say three. Maybe, I, th- I think maybe there's something like that. I don't know. I just look yeah, at her so, hideous haircuts and. Uh, uh, on the covers and go ill, and that's that. <laughs> so I don't. To me, it's just like, why wouldn't you put those three records, even if you're not happy to have Red there yet? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Just from my like yesterday, I looked at Knuckle Puck streaming revenues from Spotify, and I don't look. I would rather everyone that streamed it bought the EP on iTunes because that would have been a lot more money. At the same time, I was pretty su- surprised by the amount of money that came in for iTunes last month. It's not anything obscene at all, but it's still like, oh, cool, Spotify can't actually pay you. I'm just picturing so you, you, like- and, you and the knuckle puck guys swimming in that pool of money like um, on DuckTales in the beginning. What's DuckTales? It's a cartoon. You, you didn't see this? This wasn't around when you were a kid? Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That sounds familiar, maybe. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Hopefully anyway. somebody got my joke. <laughs> no one got your joke. I Google DuckTales and it's just an image of this art, this indie-looking artist that I assume you'd hate. There's no, not no, no, an artist no, 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 yeah, that, that's the lame band, and they are terrible. They're, they're, they're from New Jersey. Oh, yeah, DuckTales! Like the that cartoon. shit was great. See? Wow. Oh, there's so much money. Oh, I see why my mom made me watch this. This is great. Look, there's just literal gold. It's just nude no, just and gold, gold in a top everywhere. hat. That is a Jewish duck right there. I want the, I want the, I want the gold. That's a goddamn Jewish duck. Wow. Great stuff, Disney. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing great on stream. I saw that, you know, because you guys released Knuckle Puck on Tuesday and Taylor Swift yet again was an asshole and made everybody release their music on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys in Knuckle Puck on the new releases page on Ardio were top 15 yesterday. Because you really? guys released That's on Tuesday cool. instead of Monday like everybody else. And so everybody's new release lapsed. So when I was on my walk home, I was looking through the new releases of what to listen to because I thought it was Tuesday yesterday. Mm. I saw Knuckle Puck there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to rock this out on my walk home. That's excellent. We are on, we are number one on Bandcamp, which is cool. Taylor Swift should put her music on Bandcamp. I wonder if she'd be number no, one. No, she, she shouldn't, because as I said last week, that's where cool people go to put their music, and Taylor Swift's not cool. She's the lamest person on earth. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. She would make probably like a million dollars a month on back catalog Spotify streams. That is my proposition. Yeah. I just can't imagine how much money it would be a month. That's a, that's a thing to me. The back catalog to me is a no-brainer. It's like if anything has been out for five yeah. years, why wouldn't you have that on Spotify? Especially when you're Taylor Swift. That probably gets like 100,000 listens a week or something. More. I don't know. I can't imagine. Anyway. I'm sure I'm sure every time some, some lame 
lame teenager in Iowa gets dumped and she's like, we're never getting back together. That song's playing and I'm sure that happens every hour in the Midwest and they've shot themselves. Dude, it's a great song. It's a great song. That is a hit. Do you know how lame this girl is? That is the best. I think that I, okay. I think that's the that is the best pop song I've heard since Michelle Branch released Everywhere, man. Best pop song. Oh my god. No. <laughs> Dude, this this girl's so lame. Her new song is a garage band preset beat and she calls it a sick beat in her lame rap breakdown. Like that's how lame this person is and unself-aware she is. Hey. She didn't write that. Wait, 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 she didn't write this? Let's remember, you were just saying, you know, this girl, everybody claims that this girl writes her own songs. Come on. She doesn't write all her songs. She, she writes with him. Two, she co-writes She, she has co-writing out, credit. I, she flat out wrote fully, no one else has any co-writing credits, on the two best songs on Red, and they are emo champions. I will just say, there was one time... Are any of them about... um? Are any of them about uh, John Mayer's lame facial hair and how much she misses it? Yes, actually. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I might I might have teared up one time to a Taylor Swift song. Oh, my God, Zach. Jesus. <laughs> and then, you know, I was eating Sour Patch Kids while listening to the song, and I got very emotional. I don't think that's true, even though you did say you like sour candy, but that does bring us to our next subject. I'm great at transitions. <laughs> yes, much better at that than uh, picking which songs you consider emo. So, so close to my uh, home, not in New Jersey, in uh, Brooklyn. Well, I don't live in New Jersey anymore. So, over in Clinton Hill, which I actually used to live in, in home of uh, Thomas Nassif. Guy's a cop. Sour Patch Kids have decided to have the bright idea of getting a house where bands can stay in as long as they tweet out in social media share that they're in the Sour Patch Kids house and they're eating and maxing and relaxing with some Sour Patch Kids. So this is similar to some things other brands have done. Like, you know, basically Vans Warped Tour is kind of essentially this and House of Vans is a little like this. And then Converse has a recording studio a few blocks from my apartment. So this isn't like anything new, but, you know, I feel like Converse and Vans are very, you know, there's nothing wrong with supporting them. They seem to be good on labor. That's but like, like a culture thing. They're they're part of a culture. Yeah, but but as we learn that sugar is basically Satan, and if you don't believe me, you should watch the John Oliver episode on sugar. Um, we're always just plugging John Oliver segments. Getting trying to tell kid, young and impressionable minds that they should be that Sour Patch Kids are cool. As we just started, coincidentally, with this episode, Zach will tell you, they rot your teeth. Yeah. And, and they it's cause diabetes. It. And that's worth it's, it. It's not, not very good. And I, I think this, this crosses, though, the line of like when this like brand affiliation starts to get a little gross. My first thought here was, oh my God. Oh, it's in Brooklyn. Oh my God, I'm going to start a band with Jesse because he'll protect me in Brooklyn and then I'll have so much Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> that was my initial <laughs> thought. And then I was like, oh, this is weird and kind of banned in the bubbly and kind of the way the photo, like the, the photo of the Sour Patch, Sour Patch Kids house is like so weird. It's kind of like you're clearly... And I don't know. The whole it just rubs me wrong. It's like what what are you doing, Sour Batch? Like Converse makes sense. Vans make Vans is just clear branding. I like the Converse thing a lot. 
because it's a really good op like it's a cool opportunity for bands. I had a friend record there and someone someone at the studio sent this song to this buyer at uh, Target and the band got like a five thousand dollar check from Target who is now playing their stuff in stores. You know, like that's cool. That's great. Um, I just don't know what the benefit like does Sour Patch need band awareness? Like I love Sour Patches. Tom DeLong eats Sour Patch is on stage i just like don't know what this is actually really it i don't know there's just no benefit here in my mind i don't know it's weird well but we know what this is is that some millennial who got a degree in communications and now calls himself a social media advisor got hired by sour patch kids and said this is how you get people to be influenced and listen to them and, you know, start, you know, getting in with the kids is, you know, you have cool bands tweet pictures of themselves eating Sour Patch Kids in this sweet, light, high lifestyle looking loft while they're hanging in the cool neighborhood in Brooklyn. And the kids go, oh, I want to be like them. And they eat these disgusting little diabetes makers. All branding feels gross to me. But like this is where it really gets bad is like when it starts to be like endangering impressionable minds health and stuff like that like it's just like this is starts to be the borderline and then it's like i don't want to be the parrot that's like oh god it's so horrible and snoop dogs endorsing gin and juice because the children because i'm kind of like hey i drank a lot of gin and juice as a kid and i ate a lot of sour patch kids as a kid too but like <sighs> i've never had gin why have you never had gin i don't know i just it's i have this thing with i have this thing with like beer too where i like beer a lot but then it's like it's hard i don't want to go to a restaurant and order a beer that i don't know if i'm gonna like but then i don't want to order the beers i do like because everyone's like you're lame and not cool so then i just order also lame drinks and then you know i don't know i i feel peer pressured when it comes to drinking not to drink more I do that to myself. <laughs> and then it's like, same thing with gin, though. It's like, do I really, like, do I really want this? Do I want to waste a drink on this? Because then I could have just been drinking something else I knew I did like. I, I, as a big fan of gin, um, I encourage you to um, go down that road sometime, particularly with some blueberries in the drink, if you're into blueberries, because blueberry and gin mix very, mixes very well. Oddly enough. I am not allergic to blueberries. Great to hear. Another thing, Jesus Christ, who makes fun of you for your taste of beer? I drink Budweiser and Corona and Sapporo, and that's pretty much it. Just drink whatever you want in front of me when you want to get experimental. I can't talk shit on anybody. You are a great American, Budweiser and voting. <laughs> it's true. I, I even uh, have my American flag socks on. I bought it at Urban Outfitters when I was buying some Lord vinyl. Ugh, I have a Blink-182 American flag hanging in the J-Tree office that I call the house that Emo built. Anyway, Sour Patch, Band in a Bubble. You're kind of weird. I don't know that any band we ever will work with will work with you. However, if you're Sour Patch Kids and you're listening to this, I will take that person's job, probably do worse at it, but I'll do it for less if I get a lot of free Sour Patch candy. So we have some listener questions. I was wondering if you could talk a little about what labels look for in internship applications. How do they narrow them down? What can I do to get my application at the top of the pile? If I were a label that was looking for interns, and I guess I am, um, I don't know if I am, but if I was a label looking for interns, what I would look for is 
do you know how to use Photoshop? Because I need to make one sheets all day. I need to make YouTube templates all day. I need to make annoying website templates all day. And Photoshop gives me the heebie-jeebies. Can you do that? You're already at the top of the pile. Other things are like, do you, are you competent? <laughs> do you know how to act around human beings? You need general life skills. Running a label is great. And then you need to be able to hang how out. How could a they bit. show that though? In, a, in, a, in, a, in how could they show that? A, yeah, but they can't show that in, a, in, in an a, application though. Give me your Tumblr URL and let me judge you for an hour. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that would narrow it That's down you, so though. much. What about the rest of the world? No, I would be able to narrow so much down from social media. So much. It'd be terrible. I'd never hire anyone. That's okay. I'm the worst on social media. Um, I don't know. I think for label stuff, no. I just, I just think for actual label qualities, being able to do if you, there's a few things. Like if you're good with Photoshop, that is truly a huge help. If you have any coding desires and the label you might be working for has a terrible website, that would also be a huge help. Other things like if you don't mind getting your hands a little. Um, uh, I don't know, cut up or whatever. Mail order is really important. So you just like being able to pack things, knowing how the post office works. No one knows my age. No one my age knows how the post office works. Post office works. If you know how the post office works, that's also a leg above. I think the first things you want to put in there are yeah, HTML. If you know how to edit video and you know how to edit images, those are the three best things. Or if you are a particularly great writer and you could help with bios, writing press releases and things like that. You want to convey that and then your passion as fast as you possibly can, I think. Um, not using Comic Sans, like one of the questions that we got this week was written in, in our email box. That, that was helps. wild. I didn't read the question. <laughs> I didn't read the question until two hours ago while putting this show together because I kept opening it and I kept seeing the Comic Sans and I kept turning my phone off. Another piece of advice, though, I would have is a really good-looking resume, I think, does help. Like, a well-laid-out that look that shows that you have good taste and that you're forward-thinking. Does that have numerous people read it so that there is literally nothing that could be nitpicked about grammar and anything like that. And also, I think, though, displaying, finding some way to show that you're in the knowledge of what makes that scene work that you're applying for is really good. Whether you just also write a cover letter that is passionate and show displays that you know what this label is about is going to go a long way, and that's about your own personal passion. You have to figure that out yourself. Uh, I don't know. To me, like again, it's just since I have to do it so much every day, like why why that uh, image stuff, like Photoshop capability, is so important is just because anything from having a nice resume to being able to save a label three hundred dollars by laying vinyl out art instead of having a paid person do it, like. It, there's just there's just so much help that it can save like graphics i oddly enough i don't know how to use photoshop and i can not do anything besides basic html coding um and those are the two things i wish i knew most in life that makes two of us yeah and at this point like i know it's never too late but it's just hard when you're so busy um thomas uh my partner in bad timing has gotten over the last year incredible at Photoshop. He was just like, I'm going to learn this. And now he does the majority of day-to-day -day, uh, bad timing graphic stuff. 
And it seriously has saved us a godly amount of favors and money and stuff. And it's so helpful and it's, it's really great. Like that we don't, frankly, we don't really need an intern at this point for the label because he's able to do so much and it's not a burden on him. It's just something else that we split for our duties and it has made the label so much better um, and so much more efficient, which is great. Cool. So the next question is, is what are you guys' thoughts on racism in the music industry? I'm an American-born Chinese living in the Southwest, and although I embrace the title of that Asian chick, quote-unquote, it seems that I am only being recognized for my race rather than the music I create. This is the tough thing, is we live in a society that, while we wish it weren't the case, um, does still see... uh, Anything that's not a white male in music or a white female as something different unless you're in rap and then you're the exception if you're a white male or a white female in rap. Um, Especially you watch the way Iggy Azalea has been treated lately. I think that there's the thing of that what you have to do is you have to make sure you almost avoid the questions, you avoid the characterizations, and you avoid ever mentioning it yourself. So you don't market yourself as that Asian chick. You don't do that if you want to be a part of it. But I also don't think it's the worst thing to sing about this alienation. Um, I actually think that a lot of people, if you do it in a metaphorical way and you don't do just like take it right on the head, that singing about this alienation and talking about it is something a lot of people will understand and then they will empathize with you at the same time you are probably sadly always going to deal with some ignorant person who sees you as a purple cow as seth godin likes to call it that this is the thing but the other thing about it is too is some of this is can be what makes you special and what makes people identify with you um i think it was very interesting um my um one of my best friends played in the band megan dia for years and even with them People thought they were certain things like because they were from Salt Lake City, they'd identify with them as Mormons or they'd identify with them thinking they were of a certain Asian ethnicity. And it actually got them tons of fans. So I think it's another thing is that this can also be if you play your cards right and you don't really make this about your bio and you're not the marketing yourself as a specific thing this could just be something that people identify with you and it actually can be a good thing is that people feel kinship with you because they feel different and outcast as well and then they will come to you yeah it's i don't know it's a it's a frustrating thing like i think just myself growing up in school like growing up in an all-boys school boys are so dumb boys and get this like wildly racist streak in sixth grade while around other boys. It's just insane, actually. Like, every once in a while, I'll have a conversation with someone about it, being like, what was the experience of you growing up in your all-boys private school? And I was just like, well, it was fine for a while. Then I got wildly bully-y, racist-y, ignorant-y, and then some of that stopped, but most of it really didn't because then drugs came in. And it's just like, like I, I just growing up around that. And luckily, I mean, look, I, I, I think I definitely took partake in that when I was like in sixth grade and very clearly realized like, oh, I'm a human being and there are other human beings around me, regardless of their race that they were born, whatever. Um, and but at the same time, that like never left high school with me, like until I graduated. And now like I knew and which is not hilarious at all, but which is just absurd because we lived in the in such an incredibly diverse city. Um, 
at the same time in Philly, like the music, the punk scene is pretty diverse ish. Like it's not as diverse as anyone would want it to be diverse, but it's pretty diverse, but that doesn't save the scene from comments. Like there are comments all the time I see or hear or overhear like that. That's it's. I mean, that's, it's funny to me that the the question asked, like, quote unquote, that Asian girl, because that is the most like common in this kind of scenario thing I will hear at a show. Like, yeah, my friend, like, you know, the Asian girl, whatever, like that is a super common one. And maybe that's because there are a lot of punk Asian fans in Philly. But that is like stupidly common to me um, that I see a lot. So I don't know. It's tough. I don't think it'll ever go away either. I just, to me, I would, me myself, and I don't, I don't want really want to give advice on this because I feel like I'm not applicable to give advice on this, but I think it's just something that it is like, I think if someone does hear this and they go, Oh, I say that Asian girl all the time, they might question themselves by saying, Oh, that Asian girl next time. Um, which I think is ultimately good. It's a hard balance between talking about it like everyone needs to stop it and everyone's an evil person versus just internally realizing it. And a lot of it, unfortunately, for people all across America just never gets internally realized. And that is truly upsetting. I don't think there's anything wrong, though, with dispensing advice on this. We're trying to all figure this out. I think that, you know, it's a funny thing is I think that this is not an inevitable thing. I think this is a conversation that we're having as Americans right now. Whoa, election day. And this is something we're going to figure out in the next 10 years, just as we've, you know, we're getting pretty close to winning the war on having marriage equality in this country. And uh, I think that that conversation's come a, a far way in the last uh two decades that I've been seeing it go on and this is going to be one of the next conversations we have and uh, I think it's going to get worked out but in the meantime I'd find the way that you turn this into an asset instead of a deficit. Totally and to finish things off on a very uh, light and easy question following that someone asked about uh, how they should get merch made for their band um, like expensive items versus who to shop through um, and any specific kind of merch that does well there's always going to be someone in your local town probably that has a band uh, that probably buys merch you should you should find out what where they print you should find out where any band prints um, you may be able to get a deal through some guy or another guy. The thing is, like, there are great deals. I can give anyone that asks great deals on merch, but the bummer can often be shipping. If you live in California, you being able to buy something nearly yeah. at cost from New York is going to be way over cost versus buying something in California that you can pick up. And that's kind of the real, that's kind of the real bummer. Um, but seriously, if anyone on the East Coast has needs some, but... I think that that's also the asset is that th this is the thing to to learn is that, yes, usually picking the difference in price and discount you're going to get is the cost in shipping. So you driving to go get that merch is usually going to be cheaper than anything you can find. But if you let's say your band lives in the middle of nowhere or something, then, yeah, there's certain things, you know, that work well um and most of the big merch services i have a lot of them listed in the free version of my book if you download that there's tons of them that will do you right yeah no merch is a tricky thing uh in terms of what i like interesting merch interesting merch honestly doesn't really sell well we talked about this on an episode a while ago i think right like there there's a chart we have in one of our past episodes that show all the kind of merch that sells from music down to 
uh, winter hats, and it's it's really interesting to see. Oddly enough, fanny packs were nowhere on that list, but they should be now if there's a new updated list this year because, boy, am I selling some fanny packs. But um, interesting merch that does well is just seasonal merch. You want a fanny pack, Jesse? I know you want a fanny pack to replace that thing you carry around your shoulder. I definitely do not want a fanny pack. But I, I think that there's an interesting thing to say with this is that if you can find something that would fit in with the fashion in your genre, the other thing is even though it might not sell as much, um, a lot of the time you're able to mark it up a good amount. Are you suggesting that Taylor Swift sells Ebola masks and make millions of dollars? I think actually what I suggested to you and um, Justin from Man Overboard this week is that you steal the idea from Cameron and you guys make defend pop punk um, Ebola masks and sell them. Can't believe we just gave that idea to the defend pop punk group. I guess we had the chance first. I got this email from Jesse on Friday at uh, it was it was early in the morning. Oh, no, it was late at night. Okay. From Jesse, and it's just like, it was just like, click this link. Okay. Oh, here's a dude in a bowler mask that's being sold for 25 bucks. And I'm like, wow, money is cool sometimes. <laughs> that was my reaction. Um, <laughs> um, that's all. I, just be timely. Be timely with your merch. Take advantage of sales. Don't forget that Black Friday is a thing. You can sell a lot of merch because you said it's Black Friday. Stuff like that. Um, Jesse, do you have any recommendations? The first of my recommendations is um, the band The Claxons has announced their demise, and I spent the week listening to their catalog. Their catalog is worth listening for our listeners, if you like. It's it's pretty punk. Um, it's a little weirder punk, like if you like the Blood Brothers and stuff like that. If you had never listened to The Claxons, I would say you should go and listen to them and... Uh, Remember them before they're gone, because they were a great band, in my opinion. They were some one of the best live shows. I think they made three incredible records. Cool. On my list is, well, out today is the uh, Somos Sorority Noise split that Jesse recorded the Somos Noise sides for. Um, those two Somos songs are my favorite by them, and I really, really love the band so much, regardless of that being on my label. Um, the other thing is... Um, I haven't made my mind up on this band at all whatsoever, um, but I think it's kind of interesting music, and I'm curious to see where it plays out. There's this band called Paris that spelled their name with a V instead of an A, which is dumb. Um, they just put an album out on Rise Records. It's called White Noise. There could, I feel, be like a little bit of an Echo Smith popularity thing going on there, and I'm just curious to see how it plays out. And the music's not bad. I'm just curious about it. Maybe some of you would be curious about it. That's all. That's music. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about that record. I'm going to have to check it out. Thank you to everyone for listening to Off The Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter, at Jesse Cannon. I'm at Z Zarillo, and our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.